You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List Online, and my name's Andrew Mackay-Smith. Hope you are well. The interview subject I have coming up for you, boy oh boy, do we bring the stars on this little indie podcast adventure of mine. It is Alex Skolnick, the guitarist in Testament and far too many other bands to mention in the introduction at the very least because I do talk all about Alex or do ask Alex a bunch of questions about his career and all of the wonderful musicians that he's played alongside of through this podcast episode. I'm really happy with this podcast episode by the way. This is probably one of the best interviews that I've done with an artist who has such a broad resume as Alex certainly has. The reason for the conversation with Alex is to talk up Testament's appearance in Australia through March 2020. Now they've definitely got a show that I'm going to which is on Sunday the 22nd at the Triffid in Brisbane. Now there might be other shows around Australia, just check gig guides outside of the download appearances that there are will be doing that the band will be doing in uh, Sydney and Melbourne. So those two dates are Friday the 20th and Saturday the 21st at Melbourne and Sydney respectively. So as I said, really happy with this conversation. I hope you enjoy it too. Hope you enjoy all of the conversations that I share with you via this podcast series. I just was really happy with this one, it must be said, because I was looking forward to talking to Alex for a very long time. So here he is, Mr. Alex Skolnick from Testament. So Andy McKay-Smith calling for our chat. How are you going? Hey, Andy. How are you? Good. How's the uh, conversations with the Australian indie journal types been going? Oh, good. Good. Yeah, we're uh, we're in the midst of uh, prepping for uh, for Australia. Great to be talking nice. to so many folks and gauging the excitement. It seems like uh, yeah, there's a lot of excitement for for it. There is. Yeah, oh, there is. And, and look, I know the reason for the chat is to talk up Testament's appearances at Download this year and the few sh- sideshows that you're doing. I'll, I'll be in the Brisbane, one of the Brisbane sideshows there that you're doing. Uh, you know, but I've got oh, to, yeah. you know, Alex, I've got to say, after almost 450 of these types of interviews, I still pinch myself to get a chance to talk to somebody such as yourself because, mate, when I was, when I was preparing questions for our chat and I was going over your, your, your resume, it's quite unbelievable, really, all your career accomplishments and the many great musicians that you've shared the stage and the studio with. I consider you, in terms of, uh, I know you do many other things, but a guitarist, really, a heavy metal guitarist without peer. And um, But before I dive oh, in... thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yeah, I've been a fan for a long time, as you can probably tell. But um, I guess... I, I guess oh, it's before, great. Before I start talking about the rest of your career, I'll just ask you about these, uh, these shows that you are playing with Testament. So... Uh, do you have a set list planned, or I mean, I know there's plenty of albums there, and to draw from material, to draw material from. So, how do you, how the hell do you guys color set list? Uh, we're in the process of it right now. Uh, we're uh, we just today, today and yesterday, we rehearsed all day, mm-hmm. and uh, we, you know, we we're trying a bunch of songs, you know, see see what seeing what sticks. Yep. Um, yeah, we have so much, one of the things about, you know, once you're, uh, you have some album, a good number of albums under your belt, you have so much music to choose from. Yes. Uh, it's a good problem to have, but it's a, it can be a problem because there's so much. And, uh, I think for this, uh, this next run of shows, including Australia, we decided to change things up. So we're not, playing our usual songs. Yeah, we have our standard songs we've been doing for a long time. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but we, yeah, we're actually decided to bring out some songs that a few songs we've never played. Okay. Um, songs that we played, but not for many, many years, you know, like decades. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and also, you know, there's, since there's a new album coming, um, yeah, I heard. yeah, we'll yeah. play some new songs as well. Yeah. 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 And, yeah, there's a lot going on, I suppose, isn't there? But um, look, you, you know, I mean, it's—I sort of alluded to this earlier because I was, I was talking to John Five about his tenure in Marilyn Manson. Um, look, mm-hmm. and, and as ridiculous as it sounds, and these are my comments, I, I said to him that he's ridiculously overqualified to play in Marilyn Manson, and I kind of feel the same way with re- <laughs> with regards. He's a great player. He's he's a great player, mate. But then so are you, and you're practically overqualified to be in testament if you don't mind me saying and that's that's no knock on testament that's by okay the way. you know uh, I don't yeah really... no that's okay at all. I, I i hear that sometimes but um yeah it's uh um that's it, you know it's it i think it, it helps me definitely to be able to stretch out hmm. and we're sort of at a point now you know there has been for you know this whole later period of the band um yeah, I've been able to do that. I've been able to stretch out and uh, balance out uh, other, you know, all, all my my other styles of music and working with musicians outside of the metal world. It was very. It's just it's hard for me to exist in a bubble. Mm-hmm. I do love playing the music, uh, and the fans are amazing, and the community is amazing. Um, but I think you know one of the things that's that's helped is just you know we're you're not not being stuck in a bubble and uh thanks to you know technology hmm. um being able to have a personal computer on tour with a full-fledged recording studio yeah you know, with software you know being able to work on um any music i want during the day um, is has helped a lot, and also yeah, being able to send files to other musicians and, uh, or work on my educational projects, whether it's mm. uh, you know video content for uh, True Fire or, or written uh, projects that I'm doing. So sure, um, but, you know it, it wasn't like that the first few years of the band. It was just this um, pressure cooker, you know. Uh, do release an album, do go straight straight on tour, do an album cycle, do the next record. Yep. So, you know, I think for me, you know, I, I needed to get away and just develop on my own. Um but now, you know, it's it's different. Just having had that time away and um you know, be, being able to balance it just make, makes it much more doable. Hmm. Yeah, good answer, mate. Yeah, I've, I've often wondered about that because, you know, you you are what I consider to be an academic player in that you actually understand what's going on with the various modes and scales and all of that sort of thing. And you're drawn to playing thrash and heavy metal, which is great for us as heavy metal fans because right. I, I can hear mm-hmm. I can hear elements of your jazz playing. I can also hear elements. Uh, I think you lean into a bit of Middle Eastern uh, style music as oh, well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, in, well, in I, your playing. I love, yeah, I, mean, I, I definitely... I, I'm definitely influenced by a lot of uh, international playing, uh, mm. international music. And, and also there's <clears throat> a, a lot of the, uh, the jazz and improvisational artists I listen to have an international flavor, you know, yeah. for example, Chick Corea 
for example, you know, has this Spanish side that comes out in a lot of his music. And uh, uh, Al Demiola, that's an obvious one. You know, he's just, uh, he, whether he, he does the music of Oster Piazzolla, you know, he works the tango into his music. Um, and then a lot of, you know, a lot of just world music and international music. Um, so I think, that, I think it comes out. I don't really plan it in metal, but I just, I try to come up with ideas that interest me. Mm. And, uh, I figured, you know, there's so many, um, there's no shortage of like kind of blues based high speed, um, licks in, in heavy metal. Yep. So I'm not going to try to do it. And it's, you know, with all due respect, it's not, I just, you know, I don't want to, tr- it, it wouldn't do me any good to try to play like anybody else. Yeah, I actually really enjoy Planetary Coalition, and I think you're talking about a lot of the music oh, there thank that you. you've done there. You know, and look, I reckon that's yeah. That's, well, that's where I got to go full on international. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> well beyond the boundaries that traditional people from Western countries would be used to listening to music, and I, and I think possibly my favourite collaborators that you worked with on that are with uh, with uh, Tama. I think it's Tama uh, Pinabasi who plays the Kanoon. And and also, oh, yeah, yeah, you, yeah, yeah, the bass player I think yeah. really suited your playing. Uh, Panagiotis, I think. God, I'm going to mispronounce his name. Panagiotis. Yeah, there you go, yeah. Andrea. Yeah, yeah. bass player. I mean, that that's sublime. That that cut there that you recorded. Oh, with thank those you two so much. Just magnificent. Yeah. Man. yeah, well, I you know I've heard music in that style, and I've just often thought, you know, I could play to this. This is really nice. But um, hmm. most people who are familiar with with my playing, whether it's, you know, from the guitar, the kind of, you know, high, high tech guitar community, and especially the metal community, you know, they're, they're mm. probably not going to go buy an album of traditional Turkish <laughs> music <laughs> with Kanun. Yep. But if I'm doing it, you know, then it, it, it makes sense. Uh, at the same time, if I'm playing with those in- instruments, I, I don't want to dominate it with uh, my metal sound. I just couldn't hear that. I really wanted to blend in. I mean, mm. I'm a, I'm also big. I'm a big fan of uh, Ry Cooter. You know, who oh, uh, nice. yeah. did the classic Buena Vista Social Club, mm-hmm. and he just blends in. You know, there's times where you're almost not sure if he's even playing. He is, but mm. he just lets the musicians do their thing. And I, yeah, I didn't want to be that discreet, but I also really wanted the musicians to. Uh, yeah, be. I wanted it to be more about the, the musicians. Mm. One of my other favorite albums that you've been a part of is um, Attention Deficit. Okay, uh, the work that you oh, did cool. there. You know, and because I I actually got into them actually through Tim Alexander because I was a massive Primus fan back in the day. And um, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And then then of course you've got the uh, the supremely underrated Michael Manring on Manring on Absolutely. bass. Absolutely, well. yeah. Are you planning? I know that's almost twenty years ago. I suppose you released your last thing with them, but um, is there any plans potentially on the horizon for that to be a thing again? I would love to. You know, it's. I think. Yeah, you know, we're all in different worlds. Um, I would. I think it would be amazing. Um, but it hasn't been planned. If I run into any either of those guys anytime soon, I'm going to suggest. <laughs> please do yeah please do yeah. and uh look and, and i think the other you've got you've collaborated with so many people it's impossible over a 20 minute phone calls or so to, to list everything uh, but 
one one of the things I was really impressed with, particularly because I'm a fan of the band, was that, and a lot of younger uh, listeners to the podcast might not be aware of who Sabotage are and the influence of uh-huh. Sabotage. Yeah. But in particular, the long since departed guitarist Chris Oliver, God rest his soul. But yeah, mate, absolutely, yeah. But you 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 are so. I hope you don't mind me blowing smoke up your ass this way, mate. You were so good. You were the guy drafted in to replace him. And I hope that's appropriate oh, thank to, you. to frame it that way. But yeah, I mean, no, it's a big honor. And uh, I've, I've been a big fan of the band you know, in high school. I, used, I was one of many friends that, yeah, we, they had that first uh, album they did. It was, mm. yeah, it wasn't well distributed by, yeah, they, they didn't have a real record label at the time. So it was very hard to get. Everybody had like a third generation cassette <laughs> with that sabotage record. Yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, yeah. You know, so at that time, yeah, I, I couldn't have imagined being asked to play for Sabotage. And it, and it was, it worked out. I mean, it was, I was, it was very sad that I, that there was an opening, you know, because hmm. Chris is lost, but um, I was yeah, very, very honored to do it. And um, I, yeah, I really, it was, it was a very good uh, thing to do musically. Cause at that point I pretty much only recorded, um, you know, thrash stuff. Yeah, yeah, Testament yeah. in its in its you know formative years, um, which is great, but it's it's very limited. And you know, this here with Sabotage, I am actually playing with slow, you know, some slow grooves. There's actually piano on a few tracks, hmm. <laughs> so it, it was right. a nice chance to explore some other sides of, of music as well. Are you still mates with uh, John Oliver? You still talk? Uh, you know, I, I don't see him very often, but it's always great when I do see him. Um, the last time I saw him was a few years ago. He was playing with his band Pain. Yes, yeah. And they were right down. They were actually playing right in uh, Pennsylvania, not far from where Tesla was playing. There you go. Yeah. And we ran down there to say hello, and it was great. Um, I went down there with Chuck, Destin, and we yeah we had a nice little reunion, and it was really cool. Um, I would see him more often when I. About 2001 to 2009, I was playing at the Trans Siberian Orchestra, mm, yeah, which yeah. is the top-grossing holiday show. That's it yeah. in the U.S. Which interesting, it was spawned by Sabotage. Well, the producer, the late, yeah, may he rest in peace, Paul O'Neill. Yeah, yeah, and um, definitely, yeah. We, uh, you know, John would always, you know, even though he's got writing credit for that show, and you know, he, he's kind of the nucleus. He, he, he didn't get out much. You know, it was hard to get, but he, he yeah. would always come to a show, at least one show on the tour. Yeah. Uh, even much. though he didn't want to do that. And we would always see him. Yeah. It was, it was great, but yeah, I'm kind of overdue to reconnect. with Look, and, and I think, you know, talking about icons of, of music, as I do feel Johnny's, I think he's very overlooked, you know, but um, there was a, a, if you don't mind me terming it, there's quite a bizarre episode in your career with Aussie. And and I've read you know the backstory on it how you were, you say you got you effectively got yeah. the gig and then nothing happened for months and then you were asked in the space of twenty four hours to get yourself over to London. I don't mate, nobody blame you for not taking the gig. It sounds wait, <laughs> <laughs> just sounds like a punishing yeah. situation that one. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's you know it was what it was. It's one of those things. You know, I just uh, I mean again that was that was that was like you know probably like the greatest guitar game. Of all, yeah, Randy Rhodes was you know one of my favorite guitarists, and uh, I. But I do think at that point, uh, yeah, it was it was a strange period. You know, they'd sort of gone back and forth with Zach Wild, and 
Um, Zach, I think at that point, Zach Wild had sort of, um, you know, he's just such, such a larger than life presence. Hmm. And, uh, I think, uh, you know, just knowing what I know about show business now, yeah. um, uh, yeah, I, I understand it. They were used to somebody like Zach Wild, like a big lumberjack. You know? <laughs> <Definitely>. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's what they had in mind. And I, I was, you know, I was, you know, coming at it from, I, I, you know, with all respect to Zach, because, you know, I think, you know, he's yeah. great. But yeah, I, um, I was, yeah. Randy was my guy. Randy was my big influence. So I really tried to bring more of that. But, uh, you know, yeah, it was it was a crazy period, and I've, from what I've heard, uh, you know, just the tour was was kind of crazy. It was still, yeah, there was still a lot of craziness in the Osborne camp. Uh, so, yeah, it's that uh, there is. I think they're still like that. Yeah. I don't think it's changed very much, actually. Yeah, and you know what? It's, I think it also it takes a certain know-how to just be able to come in and be a part of that. Absolutely, you know, be, very well uh, said. Yeah. I have the I, I suppose I could say if I may be so bold I have the musical skills. Of course. But it's yeah. really more about music. Yeah, there's there's more than musical skills required. <laughs> yeah, there's that management aspect of it, isn't there? Especially with such a powerful personality like Sharon and and not to mention Ozzy, of course. Yeah. But the whole family, the whole family yeah. to me are overbearing. You know, it's uh, I, I don't I don't yeah. I don't mean I think that's why they've had so many people and they've had the on again off again relationship with Zach. And look, I've had a chat to Zach in the past, and he's still friendly with guys like Bob Daisley, who were screwed over in the camp as well. And you know, I oh think, yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's it's yeah. it's. Whoever steps into that bandmate in that environment has to know something that at any time it can be like a very calm water, but then it can get very rough, like a tempest, very quickly. That's that's certainly my I think that's take on it. Perfect description. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. So you know, it's a good. I had the experience, and then that was it. And I'm, I'm, it worked out well because it definitely motivated me to work harder at uh, sort of developing my improvisational skills and just focusing on finding what I, I wanted to do yes. as a musician. Yeah. Well, it's somebody who I think you, you are, you're both born to play with each other in my view because I've watched enough of the videos on YouTube and they're just sublime to watch and listen to. But mm -hmm. bass, bassist Stu Ham, I think I'm a bass player. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, one yeah. of my favorites. Yeah. yeah, but you guys lock in so well. It's like you, I mean, I can see you looking at each other's fretboards to work out where each other's going. Like when you're playing, uh, there's a yeah. Led Zepp song on there that I think you're playing at NAMM a couple of years ago, one of those festivals or conferences. Mm -hmm. You know, so do yourself and Stu, do, do you just sort of meet up whenever you can? Or can you tell me about what, what you guys have got planned together? Oh, uh, you know, we just have a really natural chemistry. Um, and I was, I'm very grateful that, you know, Stu recognized even back then, you know, in the early '90s, when I first played with him, that uh, there's, you know, something. It's not, yeah, I'm not just a guy who can play fast metal. <laughs> you know? So he helped yeah. bring that out of me. And then, um, you know, when I I had my, there was a period where I, I kept a low profile. I said, moved to the East Coast, uh, studied music at the university level. I got a degree from the New School. And then got my trio together and just, you know, really became, yeah, I felt like I, I filled in some gaps hmm. and just really uh, came, yeah, moved uh, very forward with my playing. So then when 
Stu and I finally got got together again. That was about five or six years ago. It was just uh, hmm. you know a whole other level. And he's he's got he's become a much deeper musician as well. So I think we, when we play together now, it's just great. We just played in uh, L.A. Uh, mm-hmm. just last month at the uh, you know the famous uh, baked potato in L.A. Which okay. is, uh, great great uh, jazz rock place. Kind of the, the the jazz rock capital of uh, L.A. Nice, okay, and it was it was great. There. And we got yeah, we're talking, uh, we're talking, we talk all the time. I, it's unbelievable we don't have an album together. Agreed, I mean, it's criminal. I'd love you guys to do that, by uh, the way. Yeah. yeah, so we're talking about it. I've, I've been, <laughs> I've, I, yeah, I've been holding his feet to the fire. So it's, <laughs> it's going to happen at some point. Look, you can probably tell by the questions that I'm asking that uh, I'm a bit like yourself and that I go, you know, metal, jazz, rock, pop, whatever it might be, but I certainly have more jazz in my yeah. vinyl connection, collection than metal. And and for me, that yeah. means that the Alex Skolnick trio is, is a real treat because, you know, ragtime and bebop seem to be the glue that hold the music that you guys create together, together. But, yeah. you know, I mean, the Iridium live performance on YouTube is just superb for anybody out there who really wants to check out what you can do in that setting. It's, it's, it's actually magical, I've got to say. You know, and, oh, thank you so much. Yeah. You know, and, but watching you perform, mate, I, I feel as though, mate, you're one of very few people in this world achieve what they've been put here to do. Meaning uh, that, you know what I'm oh, like, you. you feel, I feel like as though you were born to be a guitarist and you're just one of the greatest guitarists of all time, in my view. And you're still doing it, you know. It's like some people are born to drive trains, you know, or fly planes. You know what I'm saying? But you sure, found, absolutely, absolutely. You found your outlet. So, did was it your parents early on that really encouraged you to, to do this? Uh, not at all. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I got into academics, and uh, yeah, just in a completely different field. Like no, uh, uh, no instruments were were played uh, by. Yeah, by my family. I did have an older brother who uh, played a bit of bass, but uh, mm. yeah, we were definitely not a musical family. Just like a very my others and you know part of the legal community. Um, didn't practice law, but just, you know, just a very decorated uh, law professor and sociologist. And uh, yeah, I mean, I was kind of expected to get into social sciences or law or medicine. Yeah, something. Something like that, and I, I just always felt music so strongly from when I was very young. Hmm. So uh, I, you know, I, uh, yeah, from a very young age, I think it was just, you know, it, there was no question that that that's what I was going to do. Hmm. And also, just being, uh, you know, I, I think I found a way to just be honest about it. Um, it's very hard for me to pretend, and so to be in a band or to play to say like play with a uh yeah maybe like like a famous pop singer right that's on Mm. the the grammys and late night shows but if somebody like i just don't like the music at all that would be really hard (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if i'd be happy doing that i think i would rather you know not have that job but play music i like Mm -hmm. um so yeah i'm able to focus on you know we talked about the, the trio and you know that's music that it reflects uh, the music I listen to um, yes. and it's not like I never listen to it I just don't listen to it that often um, you know if it comes on if I'm with friends and I'm at a metal bar if I, then, I, then I love it but I, I don't 
and maybe because I've played it so much, I don't have, feel the need to yeah, listen to it that I often. I feel the same way. And I sometimes time, get in yeah. trouble. For, yeah, I sometimes get in trouble for statements like that. You know, there's yeah. certain like websites that like to take that and make it a uh, a headline oh, and yeah. make it sound like I I don't like playing metal. Like, but that that's not true at all. I actually really like playing it, but <laughs> playing it and listening to it are two different, <laughs> different things. things. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, two very different things. And I, I, mean, I had a period where I, I listened to it all the time. Yeah, but it's you know this is what I it's what I listened to in high school. You know, I listened to plenty of Motorhead and Slayer. <laughs> yeah, high you've school. got metal cred. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, I don't feel the need. To, to and I'm also I'm on tour with these bands too. I I was on tour with Slayer last year. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I saw dozens of Slayer concerts. I just. I don't feel the need to put on a Slayer album. <laughs> yeah. I agree with you totally. By the way, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm very much in the same, the same basket. But let me ask. Actually, I'll do a time check, mate. I've I've been going for about twenty three minutes or so. Can have I got okay. time for a couple more questions? Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. One of the strangest things I've seen in the last ten years or so was when I was watching Ellen and I saw Rihanna performing, yeah. and there's Nuno Betancourt. I mean, one of the greatest guitarists of all time, playing power chords alongside a bloody Rihanna's band. And I thought, yeah. holy shit, what, what the hell's going on here? And I understand musicians have got to earn money. I get that. So it's not a, a criticism of that. But I guess from, from your perspective, who's the strangest collaborator that's approached you and said, look, I really want to work with you? Is it like a like a Lady Gaga or a Lord or somebody like that reached out to you and said, Alex, I want you to help me yeah. here? Yeah, well, that, that's an interesting example, right? I was just talking about that. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a perfect example. Like Nuno playing with Rihanna, and nothing wrong with it. But I can't get into that music. I yeah. can't. Like I'm mm. sorry. I know she's got a great voice. I just can't get into it. Now, you know, if it was somebody like say, uh, I don't know, you know, somebody like yeah, you know, somebody whose music I yeah, I you could work with Adele, really for example. Does. Adele, yeah, yeah, Adele, uh, or even like Erica Badu, oh, actually, nice. like yeah, you know, yeah, it's a little, well, she's a little different, but yeah. I, I could, yeah, it's real, yeah, exactly. There's something so natural about it. Hmm. Um, but yeah, no, the strangest. Uh, I actually, I had um, in the around the twenty. Between 2005 and 2010, I played for a bit with um, a woman named uh, Debbie Friedman. Okay. No, no relation to Marty Friedman, <laughs> <laughs> but she's uh, she uh, she's passed away unfortunately. Just, okay. But uh, she, at the time, she was probably the biggest um, or the biggest artist of uh, Judaica. Okay. And playing folk music, but she was doing like folk pop music. And I happened to know one of the musicians, and it was a time uh, I was kind of still in my sort of low-profile period, mm -hmm. mostly studying. Yep. And she had musicians in her band, but she had uh, the bass player for Suzanne Vega. Uh, at one point, the bass player was uh, Bikiti Kumelo, who's very sure. famous for playing with Paul Simon. Mm -hmm. Indeed, yeah. Uh, she had a, a keyboardist, uh, one keyboardist plays with the Manhattan Transfer, so it's like you know this great band of musicians. 
but a lot of it was sort of like just kind of family friendly, you know, uh, Judaica themed music. Mm-hmm. But we, yeah, we just like these monster musicians. And, uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was actually a really good experience. I just, I, I think it, it taught me that, you know, even playing like simple sort of, uh, pop folk mm-hmm. songs with, a band that has a really strong pocket is much better. You improve much more than playing with um, a situation where maybe you get to shred and play more solos, but mm-hmm. um, if, if the musicians aren't, aren't as good. Yeah. Oh, no, so I really, yeah. Yeah, I really got a lot of, so it was an odd fit, but it was, it was, uh, I got a lot of, yeah, that's not that unusual, though, is it? You know, I mean, that sounds like as though, especially if it's got an academic thing like Judaica music, like what you're saying, and those wonderful artists that you just mm. mentioned that you're playing alongside of. Yeah, mate, I, I just could never imagine you playing up on stage, banging out sort of two and three, you know, like like when Flea joined Jewel, and that's not a knock on Flea either. I want to be clear about that. But, uh-huh. you know, there, there are these great musicians who, you know, when Flea did the work with... Um, Mars Volta was like, yeah, that fits. I can see that. But beforehand, when he did the stuff with Jewel and even Alanis Morissette to an extent, I was like, huh, okay, fair enough, whatever. But yeah, I, I, I just, I just could never see you um, with some of these out and out pop artists. Like, who's the one that's won all of the awards recently, the Grammy Awards? The eight, because they're all so bloody young these days. Uh, Billy Eilish. That's the one. I could just never see you do that. But you could easily. I got to be honest, though. <laughs> uh, her, so, you know, she's. I, 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 you know, she's singing for real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I like. Yeah, she's not auto tune. some of her live television appearances have been really good, mm. and live on the radio. And, and her brother is a really great musician. I mean, great. He plays keyboards, yeah. guitar. But, so I, I, I respect what she's doing, and she's she's one of the few. I know it would probably be an odd fit, but she's <laughs> one of the few I would probably say yes to there's plenty i would absolutely not yeah not work yeah. with I, yeah. I won't name any name <laughs> that's all right i can imagine who it would be though mate don't worry yeah, yeah. i mean okay look I, I i my last question for you is uh i i love reading musicians autobiographies and i want to be clear on this not biographies in other words some other person writing it for money but the musician themselves writing it or having it ghostwritten are, are you open to that sort of thing because as we've talked to it man you've had an extraordinary career to date Oh, thank you. Uh, what, what's exactly the question? I'm sorry, cut, cut out for a second. You're right. Would Would you be open to the idea of ghost, like an autobiography, something you write yourself, or have someone come in and ghostwrite for you to talk about your your great career? Oh, I've today? actually done one. Oh shit! My bad. God, is that right? I haven't oh, that's found okay. it. Uh, is that when was that released? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was about five years ago. Bummer. Uh, okay, I've got to find I, I, it. I I, I self published that. Uh, Ironically, like I know, I'm connected with many uh, folks in the publishing industry, and I would, I would probably go. You know, I, I'm sure I would have a publisher, but I, I just, I needed to, I wanted to do it quick. I wanted to get it done, and um, I was right in between all these big projects like Planetary Coalition, and um, yeah, my my trio record at the time, and that so I. But I, I put it out. Yeah, it's, it's available. Yeah, it's available on. I think you can get it on Amazon. 
Okay, I don't know why I haven't found it then. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, yeah. you're an artist who I obviously have an interest in, and I've read just about every hard rock and heavy heavy metal autobiography out there, but not yours. So I'm going to definitely find it after this chat and tell you what I know. Yeah, I never did a big <laughs> PR campaign for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, that's good. But, to uh, but know. I'm, 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 and it only goes up to. Um, a certain point too. It's really just about like the early, yeah, it's about like, yeah, my early years and learning to play and, hmm. uh, the first few years of the band, but I have a lot more to tell. So I, I think I'm going to have to do, do another one. A part two. Yeah. Well, mate, you, you're yeah. still young, man. I mean, you'll be playing for the next 30 or 40 yeah. years, you know, I mean, this is the thing. I plan on it. Yeah. Yeah. I plan on it. Sure. You know, well, look, I'll, I'll let you head off to the next one and get on with the rest of your day, mate. But I've got to say, as, as you can tell me, and as I okay. mentioned a couple of times, I'm a fan, so it's a privilege for me to talk to you. I really do appreciate the music that you've made over the years, man. It's uh, been, yeah, been I appreciate a, it. It's been an accompaniment to me, man, and uh, and what I do, whether I'm in the car or swimming, even I listen to your testament yeah. when I'm swimming because I've got swimming headphones, you yep. know. Um, so, uh -huh. man, yeah, congratulations on everything, and I'll definitely be in the audience when you play in Brisbane. Sounds good. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. No worries, right. mate. All the best. I'll see you in Brisbane. For sure, mate. Catch up. You have been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List Online, and my name is Andrew Mackay-Smith. That interview subject was the very legendary Alex Skolnick from Testament and a heap of other bands. Thanks for listening.